Welcome to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's message. For more information, visit our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. I want us to uh, take a moment. Just think about his greatness. Just think about his awesomeness. The Bible records in the Psalms, magnify the Lord. Magnify, you know, when you're magnifying something, it's an intentional expansion of that thing in your mind. Sometimes we don't recognize that we still use it. For example, when you are worried, you magnify the problem. But this time, can you magnify the Lord? That He's been great. He will continue to be great. He will show Himself great on your behalf and on our behalf. For that, we lift our hearts and our hands and say, You're great. We bless you. We honor you. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I want us to take a few moments. You all just stay where you are. Uh, I want to invite Jeremy to share a quick testimony of his trip. Uh, it's important that we all know how to, to share the love of God beyond your boundaries. So Jeremy, can you come and go ahead. good to be back (laughs) good to have you back (laughs) so I was in (laughs) so I was in Thailand for two weeks and then I was in India for two weeks Um, while I was in Thailand I was with this organization called Proskuneo they're based outside of Atlanta and we were in a refugee camp uh, in an area called Mela and the refugee camp, it's mainly the people that are there, it's mainly the Karen people. They're from Burma, and the Burmese persecute them. Um, there's a long history going back uh, a long time with that. And while we were there, we talked about going, our theme for that week was beyond. So going beyond our culture, ourselves, those we love, and beyond our wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. And it was really impactful for them because, I mean, even for us ourselves, it's hard going beyond like people that don't look like us, people that um, maybe don't believe the same things we do or um, even what we believe is safe and mm-hmm. what we see as like, this is, this is my circle, this is where I operate best. Uh, and from what we heard back from the students, they got a lot out of it. Uh, We also had classes on worship leading, guitar, arts, and I taught photography for the first time. And that was a really good experience. I got to practice uh, something that I enjoy doing and teaching others how to do that well. Students that I taught seemed to get a lot out of it, a lot more than I thought that they would get. Uh, One thing that stuck out to me that trip uh, was just the reality of the global church and Mm. some of the things that are happening outside of these four walls that we meet in outside of the country 
just learning about the history of the Karen and the persecution they faced and hearing some of the stories of the students. Um, their Bible college at the refugee camp, for most of them, that was like the only place that they could get a good education. And a lot of them have plans and dreams to go on missions to either speak to Muslims or go into villages or different forests and just talk about Jesus there. And I was just reminded of the reality of what the global church faces and the reality of persecution and the reality of hardship that the church faces. Um, we were staying in the refugee camp and that was probably one of the most uncomfortable, uncomfortable living situations I've been in. Um, and to see these people that just love to have fun and love to be with one another and enjoy each other's company, um, smiling every day, even though life was hard and they were telling me about hardships and even in the camp, it's not the best situation for them, but they still find joy, they still find purpose and they still, they're still believing and trusting in God. Um, and so, if anything, I was reminded that I need to pray more for things that are happening outside and things are happening around the world for my brothers and sisters that are suffering, my brothers and sisters that are also doing great things for God that I, can, that I don't see on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And I was just reminded of how much more I need to pray. Amen. Um, and so, I believe we all, whether we're going, praying for people or are supporting other people going, I think it's important that we remember the global church. So that is Amen. my testimony. Amen. 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 Praise the name of the Lord. And then my, uh, I picked my, my, my son up uh, from school. He says, uh, He's ready to go on missions also. That's Jesse. And, uh, you know, in his school, they go on missions in the eighth grade. So he's hearing all this chatter about missions. So I said, no, he's not going. He said, no, I'm going. <laughs> and I said, why? He said, well, you go, Jeremy goes, so I'm going too. <laughs> We're talking about discipleship, right? Amen. <laughs> yeah. And I remember on one of my trips, I text Jason that uh, I'm, I'm in so-so and so place. And I forget the comment he made. And I, I responded on the comment. And he said, yeah, you, 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 go, you go a lot. <laughs> but he wasn't saying it in a bad way. He was just saying that it's something you do. And I want to challenge every one of us. Uh, there is life beyond your territory. And your ability to impact your environment for Jesus makes all the difference. All right. So make sure you're, you're able to learn how to be part of what God is doing. Uh, if you are not going, uh, invest in the going. There are lives that are going to be transformed and God is always going to remind you that he appreciates it as you take care of others that he so desires to be taken care of. Can we sing the song uh, 
I love you, Lord, for your mercy has never failed me. All my days, I've been held in your hand. From the moment I don't wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. I love you, Lord. Because your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God I will sing of the goodness of God In all my life, in all my life, you have been faithful. In all my life, in all my life, you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, and I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I of the goodness of God, I will sing. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. We will boast of your goodness. We will sing about it. We will shout about it. We will proclaim your goodness. You've been so good to us. And for that we're grateful. Bless our time. That will be a blessing. For this is our commitment even as you have committed to us. Do incredible things with us. In the precious name of Jesus. Thank you that whatever you do is forever. Thank you for the everlasting nature of your goodness. We bless you, Lord. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. All right, we want to continue where we left off. Uh, last week, we were dealing with three aspects of relational discipleship. For purposes of titling, we called it, This is How You Teach It. I want us to go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. 19 and 20 and God is raising us as disciples but he also wants us to disciple others the law of God is everything should reproduce after his own kind so as God blesses you he expects you to be a blessing as God delivers you he expects you to be a deliverer he comforts us and he encourages us to be comforters with that self-same comfort wherein we were comforted of God. He reconciles us to God and he expects us to go out and be reconcilers. And I pray that for everything that God is doing in your life, you understand that there is a call and a demand on you. Every miracle is supposed to give birth to another miracle. Every promotion is supposed to give birth to another promotion. What God does in your life is not supposed to end with you. It's supposed to be the beginning point of a propagation. Seeds are designed to continue where they came from. And as a matter of fact, a seed does not just reproduce one seed. It reproduces what can reproduce multiple seeds. So I want to prophesy into your life that you are the seed of Abraham. And according to God's wisdom, you ought to bring about blessing wherever you turn. Wherever you go, may the blessings of the Lord accompany you. What God is doing in your life, may it not end with you. May your children tap into the blessings of God. Today, as I gave my tithe, I connected my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren I haven't seen to that which I'm giving to the Lord. That that which I do today, let my children's children's children benefit just like Abraham illustrated it. Let your life be such that you have this understanding that you are operating on the basis of a generational individual, an individual that releases generations into blessing. And may that house you represent, may that community you represent to be touched because God has touched you. Can someone lift their hands to God and say, God, I accept the fact that you can use me and you can cause me to be one that propels your kingdom forward. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. One of the things we picked up today is understanding the concept of territory marking. All right, you want to mark your territory. You want to know that that which God gives you is yours and you guard it. Yeah, whatever God gives you, you got it. Don't give place to the devil. The victories you've gotten, don't sit around and let the enemy encroach. He doesn't care. He doesn't play fair. Thieves don't care whether you bought the house or not. They don't care how expensive the car was. You know, people who are not interested in your progress are not committed to you staying there. You know, so having this mind that um, what I get, people who leave me alone, is, is, it's a lie. 
you know, uh, everybody is interested in my progress. It's a lie. It's not everyone that is committed to you staying where you are. You know, as a matter of fact, if you think about the game of boxing, the moment you win the, the, the title belt, you are celebrating, somebody takes a picture of you, and then you become his punching bag. He imagines you off the throne. He imagines you every morning assaulting you, messing you up. Listen, and you've got to learn how to mark your territory and let the devil know you are not giving up. You are not somebody that uh, is a, a, a sport kid. You know how to keep the stuff that God gives you. You know how to defend it. All right, so Matthew 28, uh, Jesus says, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Meaning, disciples ought to be made. They are not just born. When you get born again, that, make, that does not make you a disciple. You, a disciple has to be made. All right? So make them of all nations. Everyone is fair game. Wherever you are, wherever you work, whatever space you occupy, the people are able to become disciples. Don't look at someone and say they are not, <laughs> they cannot be changed. According to God's word, he says, go ye into the nations and make disciples. Everyone can be touched by God. Then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And we reminded ourselves that this is not referring to just water baptism. It's referring to literally also baptizing them, letting them be drenched in the Father, letting them be drenched in the Son, let them be drenched in the Holy Spirit. Let them be Holy Spirit filled. Let them be Jesus understanding. Let them know that the Father is with them. Them that don't have confidence, teach them that there is a Father that loves them. Them that don't know nothing about a Savior being able to be the tested help in time of trouble, introduce Jesus to them. Let them know that he's ever seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on their behalf. Let them know that Christ has gotten a place and the Father has made us joint as with him and where we reign and rule and have influence teach people baptizing them in the name of the father the son and of the holy spirit and verse 20 says teaching them to observe all things that i have commanded you say i, I would observe the things that have been commanded to me by god Right. Now, so you teach people to observe, teach people to do. Listen, some things people would not do because it's written in the Bible. They'll do it because someone taught them. All right. So you teach your children how to come to church. You teach them the importance of fellowship. Yeah. Why should we go to church every Sunday? You know, uh, why should we read our Bible every day? You got to teach somebody. All right? So all those things are taught. All right? And, and uh, what you've been commanded to do, and he said, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So he's not saying go and he would be sitting in heaven and twiddling his thumbs. He says he will be with you. So he doesn't send us where he's not committed to going. So anytime I'm on the airplane, wherever I'm going, he's with me. 
If I'm talking to someone in the, in, in the, in the shopping mall, he's with me. Wherever I'm having a discussion, what, whatever I'm doing for him, he is with me. In the wee hours of the night, when you are, when you are praying for someone, he's with you. When you are asking God to help someone, he's with you. Do you understand? He's not asking you to go and he stays away. And I need that company. I need to know that he's with me. You need to know that he's with you. So he's not sending you on an errand and it's all on you. No, no, no. No one goes to war at their own expense. No one is sent by a country as an ambassador and they spend their own money. They don't rent the building with their own money. They don't rent cars. No, 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 no. Everything is paid for by their home office. So be of that understanding that as we go, we are going with heaven backing us. We are going with the Holy Spirit with us. You are going with some detail, angelic detail. You're going, you know, as a matter of fact, you want to increase the angelic presence around you, get busy with God's work. Get busy with the things he's called you. And then you begin to enjoy the other things that come with the kingdom. The last time I checked, anyone who is busy about a region or a territory, we invest. We in America put the investment into their lives to protect them. So anyone who takes a public office of a certain level receives security detail. They don't go by themselves anymore. Somebody accompanies them. We put people's lives at stake for them. May others defend you because you are, you, are, you are committed to their lives. Let the ground fight for you. Let the angels be busy on your behalf. Let creation fight for you. So I want to remind us of the 10 things we say should be part of your walk as a disciple. Number one, voice recognition. Number two, you got to Walk in obedience. Number three, you're a learner. You learn to receive, you're open to receive, and then you put to use. Learners are not just absorbers of information, but those that learn to put to use. Then four, you are teachable. Now all these things that you, 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 you become, you pass them on. So you, you also become someone who learns to train others to be teachable. All right, and we kind of around this ballpark. Then number five, you are a follower, all right? You follow Jesus. You, you're, you're not in front of Jesus. You follow Jesus, all right? Then six, you are a leader. Remember, go ye into the world making disciples. You can't make a disciple if you're not leading them. So you're, you're raised as a leader carrying the responsibility of the kingdom. And number seven, you're an example. Number eight, you are a witness. Number nine, you operate in love. The kingdom functions by love. And number 10, you ought to be faithful. You ought to be faithful. So I want to encourage us, you know, whatever ministry you're doing, be called a faithful steward of that ministry. Uh, be consistent, be there. So uh, with, the, with the relational discipleship we talked about, making sure that you're committing time. It takes time. We also talked about um, understanding commitment. And the third was being the example. And that's where we ended. So we want to pick it up from there. And uh, if you uh, need to catch up, please go listen to 
uh, last week's message, it will help you and it will build your spirit up as well. And it's important that when it comes to being an example, uh, it's something that Paul uh, made sure everyone he mentored understood that. Uh, he made sure that uh, you, you grasp the fact that it's by being an example that others are transformed or others come into. And Jesus even demonstrated that to us in that he says that the things that I do, you can do the same. All right? And then he doesn't stop there. He says you can do more. All right, so what an example does is that it opens the doorway for you and gives you the permission to go ahead. Now, I want to start with the fact that being an example is something that we see from Genesis, where God creates man in his image, all right? So man needs an example, and the example of man is God. So if you really want to know who you are, stop looking at others and look at God. All right? And out of that image we are made is this powerful concept of imagination. All right? And sometimes we, we drop our imagination uh, outside the bucket of spirituality. But I came to remind you that your imagination is tied to your image. Now, if you do business of any sort, there's something called image. Uh, you know, companies spend a lot of money on image. Yeah, the image of a company is what sells the company. If the devil can convince you that you have no image, you begin to mimic something you are not. And it affects the way you think. Your imagination should be that of what God says you are. Let your imaginations be filled with the purposes of God for your life. And when your imaginations are filled with the things that God can says about you, then you will begin to function in the fullness of that which you carry on the inside. Is that clear? Now, when it comes to, for example, we, we, we looked at marking the territory. You know one of the things I want you to do passionately? Take every promise God has given you and mark it as your territory. Let them be the, the, the markings of your territory. If God has said that you're going to be such and such, mark your turf with it. Let that be what, let your mind be filled with that. Yeah, let, let your heart be filled with that. Imagine yourself in that position, even before it happens. That's how you use your imagination. Let your imagination flow according to the dictates of his word, his promises over your life. Listen, he's told me I'm going to, be operating in certain areas in ministry. I think that way already. I imagine that thing already. You know, I remember praying over my children, you know, when they were young, I used to pray that scripture that says, well, and riches shall be in your house. I keep seeing it. I keep declaring. I keep marking their life without wealth and riches shall be in my house. You know, look, it's time we filled our mind with what God says. It's time our imaginations are filled, all right? And when we become that saturated, people will begin to see the real thing. We will begin to see the real thing. Now, this is very important as being an example. What you see impacts you greatly. That's why, for example, the TV is more powerful than the radio. That's why the internet is more powerful than just the radio. 
Because what you see adds another dimension. All right? And then what is lived before you has a totally new dimension of transformation that can impact you. Look at the number of people who were raised in families of alcoholics. They hated the alcohol, but they saw it so much that the imprint of that thing follows them. And I pray today that you will begin to see Christ. You begin to see people who are living real for Jesus and let that impact you. Some of us Christians have seen bad examples of Christians, so we live that. It's high time you became a good example so others will not live the bad experience. So I want you to go with me a couple of scriptures, all right? Now this is very important. Man has a dimension in which they operate in. And God operates in a different dimension. And this scripture has helped me to understand that whether the person is born again or not born again, they are human beings and they operate that way. And I've seen people who are so spiritual but yet still operate because that's how we humans operate. So 1 Samuel 16, 6 and 7. The backdrop of this is God sends the prophet Samuel to go and anoint a new king. So it was, I'm reading from verse 6. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Surely this is a, a prophet. Sees a person and says that this person is surely the one who is standing before God, not before him. All right? And then <laughs> verse 7 gives us more information. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his height, or his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Underline that if it's your Bible. God does not see as man sees. People are seeing you one way, God is seeing you another way. Then he, he explains. He says, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks to the heart. Now hear me. All of us who think that we can dress anyhow and people should have a good impression of us. Wrong. Man looks to the outside and draws a conclusion. So stop behaving as if everybody should act like God. Your intentions are not good enough. This is how we as human beings operate. And we all do that. That's why we have biases that are tied to us. So get it straight. When you act in certain ways, you give people unnecessary work to do. Even if they are spiritual. Alright? And once I understand this, I ask God to help me. Because people are going to check you out on the outside, on what is evident. So you can go around saying you are saved. Do we see you are saved or not? You know, I like John the Baptist. He was a straight-up prophet. 
He said, if you've repented, show me proof of repentance. Don't come and tell me you are saved. Show me that you are saved. All right, so if you understand this in your dealings, then you want to make sure that whatever you are walking in as a disciple is evident. Is that fair? All right, you're awfully quiet today. <laughs> now, this is not me. This is God. Man looks to the outside, but God looks to the inside. That's why you want God to be part of your decision making. Sometimes when, you know, when people write resumes, they are presenting the outside. May God help you as you interview what's on the inside. As people present themselves, you also are swayed. Listen, I have seen people who are sincere, but they were sincerely wrong. And it wasn't because they were intending evil. It is the limitation of us. So 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. So Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. And this verse I'm reading from the Amplified. He says, pattern yourself after me. Follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ, the Messiah. All right? So he makes it clear that I am following Christ. You follow me as I follow Christ. Now, the way I read this, my version says, I follow Paul as long as he follows Christ. The day he stops following Christ, I don't follow him. So that I don't pick up anything that is not Christ. All right? So don't tell me your pastor is doing it. If what your pastor is doing is wrong, you don't do it. You always follow the one that he is following. That keeps us safe. Don't get trapped in, in, in what somebody is doing wrong and you say, well, he's the deacon. No, no, no. That does not qualify for your life. What qualifies is that you keep your eyes on Christ. We ought to be examples. And being an example makes it easy. You open the door. You, you, it's easy. We are creatures of, of, of imitation. Children learn to speak the languages the parents speak. What they hear them speak, so do they speak. So you get around children that are cursing. It did not come with them from birth. It, they imitated somebody. All right? So every one of us, you know, have to understand that and that is how we roll. It's not going to come because you think so. It's going to come because you are seeing an example. You are being given an example. You are being part of an example. So your life is a reflection of the examples you've been around. That sounds a little tough to take. But some of us put ourselves in all kinds of spaces and the examples you see keep watching those movies of hearts that are being broken it will become your example yeah look you, we, 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 it's amazing what we think is okay the fact that you're an adult does not change the fact that that is how you are wired so this Paul says to the Corinthians, then this he says to the Philippians. Philippians 3. 
reading from the New King James with this one. Uh, uh, he says, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Okay? So, he says, I am walking in front of you. Notice me and see others who walk like us. Okay? Then, verse 18, he says, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So Paul is saying, listen, there are some people that are saying they are saved, but they are enemies of the cross of Christ. I don't care how you paint it. If it's not reflective of how it's supposed to be, it is not right. I don't have a contention with you. I just don't follow you. Make sense? It's not time to sit somewhere and be griping about people. Stop following them. 19. He says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. He's just trying to give you an example and clarity of examples you back away from. Now, when he says that their end is such and such, meaning if you follow them, that is how you're going to end. So please, let us be mindful that we are not growing in absentia. There's so much information around us and those informations have a way of impacting us. Now, as if it was not enough, Paul begins to talk to Tim. Now, this is his student, his disciple, the guy he's working with and begins to talk to him about being an example. So, let's go to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Same track. So Paul is saying, Timothy, if you want to grow, you got to learn from the things that you saw occurring in me and begin to also pass them on. All right? And the people you pass them on onto is that they ought to be faithful people. Now, you think that that's enough? No. He says to Titus also. Let's go to the book of Titus. Can someone tap themselves and say, God is counting on me as an example? Yeah, God is counting. Yeah, so this business of being an example is very, is, is critical on, on God's heart. May your marriage be an example. May your business be an example. May, may, may the way you conduct yourself be an example. On the highway, may you be an example. You know, wherever you are, in Safeway, may you be an example. In, in, in the malls, may you be an example. In the airplane, may you be an example. Wherever you go, may you be an example. May people, you know, sometimes I like it. You know, I've been, I give an example. A typical thing that happens sometimes when we're in the store waiting in line. You know, a lot of us are very impatient. And every so often, I hear this comment. Wow, you're so patient. 
Now, I didn't say anything. How did this conclude I was patient? Because I, was, I wasn't standing there huffing and puffing, looking at my tanks. You know, sometimes the person behind you is breathing down your neck. We're wondering where they are going. Nowhere. <laughs> May people see Christ in us. So Titus 2, I read 1 to 8, but this time I, I just took a softer version because I'm reading a bit more. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And he says, as for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Basically saying to Titus, don't teach what you are not practicing. Or whatever you, pra- you, you preach, practice it. Then he says, you know, everyone has... A part to play. He says, teach the older men to exercise self-control. To be worthy of respect and to live wisely, they must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Now, it's amazing that these things ought to be taught. They just don't happen. So please, don't think that if you read your Bible, just reading it, would make it happen. What teaching means is uh, there's an element of practicality to it. All right? It just doesn't happen because you, you got uh, some information. So teach them, how, <laughs> teach them how to exercise self-control. Meaning the older you get, there is no, it is not given to you to talk anyhow. You know, it's amazing when we get a little older, we think we can do everything, right? No. Self-control. Verse 3. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. Woo. Then he says, they must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good? Verse 4. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. My goodness. So you, you need an older woman to teach a young woman how to love the husband? Yes. Some things don't happen because you are in love. Boo, 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 boo. No, 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 no. Yeah, you got the roses on uh, uh, Valentine's Day. So what? Be taught. Some of us need to go to those that are ahead of us and say, teach me. Go to a man and say, hey, you see the man doing well. You know, the way he's handling his wife. Can you teach me, sir, how to handle a woman? Yeah. We must be taught. Teach me to read my Bible. Teach me to pray. Stop admiring from a distance. Teach me how to dress. You know, your coordination is terrible. You see somebody you admire, go to them and say, man, how do you manage the thing? You just ask. Teach me. Can you say teach me? Teach me. Yes. <laughs> Verse 5. So it, this is how the uh, uh, women ought to be continuing to teach, all right? To live wisely, to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Oh my goodness, all this. So, it's not going to happen 
because it says so, it's happening because someone is teaching them. And then they will not bring shame to the word of God. The same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. See, when there's a, there's a dichotomy between who we are and what we, what we say we are, when there's a vast difference between what we preach and what we do, it confuses people. So guess what? God's standard is higher. Yeah? For anyone who is, who is being discipled, the standard is higher. So we want to settle on this scripture for today, which is the one I want us to look at. All right? So there are at least six standards God sets for us. All right? So 1 Timothy 4.12. We're going to wrap it up quickly, nicely. Are you enjoying yourself? All right, I hope you are. If you're not enjoying yourself, you better enjoy yourself. <laughs> First Timothy 4.12. This is a higher standard, all right? Now, so, now Paul says, let no one despise your youth. So this guy was a young guy, obviously, and uh, I can, you know, relate with him a lot because when I started ministry, I was younger, you know, and I, was, uh, I remember as a young, young guy, I was in my early 20s and having meetings with people who were way older than I was, they were married, and, you know, I had to make sure that I still could lead them and uh, hang out, you know. So Tim really helped me, you know. Uh, so he says, make sure, let no one despise your youth, meaning people have a tendency who are older than you, more experienced than you, or think that you are youthful and think that you are not qualified. So you've got to do what it takes. All right? Make sure it's not their responsibility. It's your responsibility. So if I'm hanging out with older people, I cannot be running my mouth. All right? I got to respect them and I get respect back. Make sense? So, for example, I'll give you an example. So, you know, if we were talking about marriage, I could not talk like I was married because I was not. And if I needed to help them, guess the example I borrowed from, from my father and my mother and stayed in my lane. As a matter of fact, some of them, I did it so good that they didn't even know I was not married. Some thought I was married. Because I, I didn't try and act like, you know, when you stay in your lane, God covers you. So make sure people are not despising. So I don't care whether you, you are new on the job, you are seen as a rookie. It happens everywhere. Go and read about David. You know, Goliath looked at him and said, you, this guy, what, what are you going to do here? It started with Saul. You know, Saul was saying, man, how can you fight Goliath? You, you are just a boy. And this man has been fighting since he was a boy. And I'm thinking like David, I'm thinking, well, boy for boy, let's see what happens. 
We all start somewhere. But he had a great God behind him. So he wasn't operating as a boy. He had a commission of God on his life. So Jeremiah was having a problem as a prophet. And God said to him, listen, before you were born, I knew you. So he gave him a longer history than his age. So whoever you are and whatever age you are that God has called you, can you just humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and be confident? Don't let anyone despise you. You are the youngest president, so what? You are the youngest CEO, and so what? You are the youngest mayor, and so what? You are the youngest millionaire in your family, and so what? It doesn't matter. It's not about age. It's about maturity. So don't let anyone despise you. Stop that talk. I, you know, no, 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 I'm just a little boy. You are, you are not. If God qualifies you, you are qualified. So don't let anyone despise you. But he says, but be an example to the believers. Now, listen, we can be examples to the world. It's easy. You know, you quote one, two scriptures, they believe you are very spiritual. But you can't fool the believer. You know, when your light is weak, it's strong in darkness. But when your light is weak and there is light, we don't see it. It's like putting on a torch during the day. It doesn't go far. Our running headlights of our vehicles, you know, it's amazing what they do at night. But during the day, you know, we, we can stare at it and not blink. And he says, I want you to be an example to believers. Because why? I want you to operate at the higher standard. Now, if you can be an example to me in prayer, then you are praying. But you know, you can always impress the person who, who doesn't pray by praying something and they think you are praying. But when you come around people who pray, we know you are not praying. Yeah, you know how you, 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 you walk and you, 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 you command a little, a little bit of respect. To them who, yeah, but if your standard is high, oh, by all means, they will be transformed. And that's why we need to get to. So, so, Tim, I need you to operate as an example in six areas. Number one, word. Number two, in conduct. Number three, in love. Number four, in spirit. Number five, in purity. And number, no, number five, faith. And number six, purity. Right? So those six things. Can everyone underline that if it's your Bible and say, God help me to be an example. That means in church, I want to see an example of people who are examples in word. All right? Ecclesiastes 6.5 tells us, don't go foolishly before God, just ranting and talking anyhow. Be careful what you say before God. Why? God is of a higher standard and you mind what you say. Now this scripture is very helpful. Matthew 5, 37. Very simple scripture. He <laughs> says, let your yes be simply yes, and your no be simply no. Anything more than that comes from the evil one. Your words. You talk too much. When you talk too much, you add the devil. Tighten your verb rich. Yeah? Tighten your verbiage. You, you, you say what you're not supposed to say because you are talking too much. 
be an example in word. Now, how do you know uh, how words go? go if you go to 1 Corinthians 13, 11, I'll read it to you. Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. So, you see, we've been working with our, our, our last son now, how to cut down on his words. I said to him recently in the dining hall room, I said, listen, when you are young, some things you say are cute. But the older you get, they are not funny. So you've got to cut down. It's not everything you say. We, we say to him, listen, you are privileged to hear conversations. My goodness, that guy likes to listen. I mean, you won't believe it. If I describe some of his, his, his postures, he, he'll be in front of a, of a computer doing his work, but his ear is on our conversation. He'll be answering. I say, hey, 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 hey. Privilege to hear, but not to say. Why? There are certain levels of spaces you enter, you have to learn how to. Can you be trusted? This was a real thing that happened to a friend of mine. There was a head of a state of a country that came to visit his dad. He happened to be in the room with his dad, and his, this is what he was telling me. He said, as soon as the man entered and the security officers left, the head of state of that country said to the father, is this boy safe? Is this boy safe? And the father said, yes, you can let him be. You can hear things but your mouth. Can God trust you? Can he speak words of someone's life? And can you be trusted to keep it? Or it's going to be on Facebook. Your words. You know why? God even exalts his word above his name. You are your words. We were created by words. Words are alive. What you say is what you do. When you don't do what you say, something ain't right. This is how I put it. Stop confusing your angels. All right, I think we've got to stop on that. You can, you can put down Proverbs 12, verse 6. Uh, it says that the, the words of a godly person saves lives. Then God wants you to be an example in love. Yeah? The God kind of love. The sacrificial love. The giving love. Be an example. Yeah? When believers can tell, you know, there are people when they hug you, you know that it's pure love. Be an example in love. When they talk to you, you feel the love. When you're in their company, you feel the love. The next he said to him, be an example in spirit. You want to see the, the, the functions of the spirit? You can go to Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the spirit, all right? And it talks about those nine things. It talks about love. It talks about patience. It talks about da-da-da. Now, sometimes the way in which you can tell whether someone is rolling well in conduct is in the highs and the lows. Under pressure. And when everything is good. Then he says, you have to be an example in faith. 
When people are down and they come around you, do you inspire faith? When people need an injection of faith, what do they get when they come around you? Can I have us all be examples of faith? Can we be people that inspire one another? So the day that I am down, I can look at you and say, God, I can hold on. Yeah, because every now and then, we may be in challenging times and we need one another. We need examples of people who stood. House of worship, you are becoming an example of a people that know how to stand and believe God and wait for the things that he has promised to come to pass. We need examples in our day and in our generation. And he says, be an example in purity. Can people count on us? Can people see an example of purity? What does purity look like? I'm struggling with, with things that are messing with my mind. Can I find somebody who can walk with me and say, look, this is how pure people walk. Look at that individual. Go talk to them. They can show you how it is. The Bible says that to the pure, all things are pure. My goodness, there's, there's an expectation of heaven, of, of heaven on us. And God wants us to be examples to what believers. Look at someone, you know, at this point, most of us listening to me in this room are believers. Look at someone and say, I'll be an example to you. Or say it like you want to, you want to do something. Yes, I'll be an example. The day you are down, you can look at me. The day you don't know what to do, look at me. Can I begin to ask others who, who need help to come see you? Because this is an example of how to stay right. Can we be examples? And sometimes when I read stuff like this, I like to check my life whether I can be an example. Can, can people count on me? Can we lift our hands? And say to God, God, I can be that example. Can you say to God, God, help me to be the example. Someone's life depends on me. Someone's future depends on me. Help me to be that example. And Father, because you've said that this is your expectation of us, it means that we can walk in it. Therefore, today, we sign up and we receive the spirit that empowers us and enables us to function as examples. We'll be an example in word. We'll be an example in conduct. People can see our conduct, see and experience the vibes from our lives and say that this indeed are people who follow Jesus. Let that love of God be a reality. Let our fellowship with the Holy Spirit be contagious. Let people encounter us and know that we are men and women of faith. We are persuaded. We are convinced. We have a conviction of that which is true and we stick to it. That we are not out of place when it comes to purity. Lord, we're asking that embolden us. May we become 
that which the, the world has been looking for. We thank you today. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for trusting us. Now, if you know that the Lord is speaking to you, it's making a demand on you. I want you to stand on your feet. And if you are watching, I, I, I want you to stand on your feet as well. This is a moment to say, God, I hear you. This is a moment to say, God, I get it. This is the time to say, God, you know, this can be me. That I can walk in the strength of your expectation. The expectations of the Lord will not be disappointed. He will not require of us what is not committed to. That the power of God will be flowing through our lives. Listen, this afternoon the Holy Spirit wants to step in. Wherever you're falling short, he wants to step in. And Father, we stand before you today. Work in us. Use us. Can someone ask the Holy Spirit, make me an example. Make me an example. Make me an example. That others would come to Jesus. Make me an example. Make me an example. Matakari. Make us a covenant amongst men. Make us a covenant amongst our peers. Make us a covenant in our communities. Let our neighborhoods be, be stable because the example of the kingdom dwells amongst them. Light, salt dwells amongst them. Make us an example. Make us an example. Make us examples online. Make us examples in our chat rooms. Make us an example in, in our family gatherings. Make us an example on the highways. Make us an example. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to the House of Worship podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and were blessed by it. For more information, visit us at our website at www.myhouseofworship.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.